G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. That's what Paul is saying. You're already seated with Christ because nothing can compare to the weight of glory that will be revealed in you. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and so far we've looked at some of Colossians chapters 2 and 3 where Apostle Paul writes to the local church to help them get back on the right track, to just focus on Jesus. So in chapter 2, we began to learn how there is a church that has begun in the city of Colossae. So a type of false teaching begins to occur because all of these groups bring their own baggage. Let's continue where we left off last time. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Not only are you to set your heart on something, he says set your mind on something. What is that? Verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now again, notice the, The meaning here, past tense, you live now as though you're already with the Father. You have been raised in the past, so now you are with the Father, seated at his right hand. Now, let's build this and then we'll close our time together, but let's do a little building here. What do we like so much about fantasy? I've mentioned some of this before, but in a different light, Superman, Spider-Man, Thor, Lord of the Rings, doesn't really matter. We watch them again and again. And it's uncanny because the heroes that we see in these stories are not normal people. Well, they begin though by being normal people, don't they? That's how the story always begins. Just everyday people living everyday lives. And then something along the way, something supernatural happens to them and they whisk away to a world beyond and they witness wonderful, majestic things. They see things none of us have ever seen before. They discover other worlds. And suddenly there is a courage and a freedom and a character and integrity and a higher cause in this other world. But then after all of this experience, they got to return to the normal world. And now they're totally different people because they are living in the full memory of their experience beyond. So, They're now judging the temporary world by what they have seen in the ultimate world, the other world. They laugh more. They move about with more freedom and power. They're more courageous. There is a sense of royalty about them. What's truly compelling about them is they actually begin to laugh, not really laugh, but take in stride, danger, evil, and injustice. And the reason is, is because 
They've been to the other world and they've seen a far greater injustice and evil and danger. And they saw firsthand how all of that was defeated and beat down by incredibly courageous and powerful entities. So everything in the present world just seems almost benign. Why would they, why would they be afraid of this world when they've seen the next world? They also have a sense of incredible self-control. And it's because they've been to the other world and they've witnessed the poise of kings and queens and princes who were incredibly pure and righteous and noble. And they live now in the memory of the faces that they had seen in the other world and the good that had been accomplished and how evil had been overcome so easily. Now, one final thing in these fantasies and these epics, there's always a guy who remains behind so that everybody else can get off the planet. He gives his life for the salvation of others or a girl who deceives the king to lure him into a trap so the others can go free, but she knows in doing so she will lose her life. Epics always include ultimate self-sacrifice. The needs of the many always outweigh the needs of the few or the one. In fact, most of us know it wouldn't be a good story unless it had some kind of matter of salvation, someone who died for everyone else. All good stories are made of this ilk. Now, do you see the application? The heroes become sacrificial and noble and humble and selfless because they remember the sacrifice that was made for them. They live with a, a sense of buoyancy. In this little shrunken world, they remember the outside of this world. There's something greater and beyond. So they've seen the great fire quenched why worry about fires here? They've seen the great disease healed. Why worry about diseases here? They've seen the ultimate battle fought and won. So why worry about raging battles in this world? Now stay with me. Does any of this sound familiar? Do you know Paul is teaching us that a Christian is a person whose eyes have been opened to the ultimate epic? Only if you have eyes to see the reality of the other world, can you live with greatness in this one? Now let's go back, connect that with the passage. Set your minds, he says, verse two, phreneo, that is an inner disposition. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died. Again, that's past tense, a death has occurred and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, what does this mean? Again, let me just take a pause here. This is so big. It's huge because what we're being told is that our life is hidden in Christ with God. And to, to bring that to a powerful application, think about the reality that you woke up and it was a new world. COVID-19, political unrest, the economy. In fact, we've said right now, many of you are discovering who you truly are, truly are and what you truly believe. Again, stay with me. We've got to put in the pieces of the puzzle here. One of my favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption, I've quoted from it often, but I remember Red, played by Morgan Freeman. He keeps coming in because he's up for parole. And every time he comes in, he's asked the same question. He gives the same answer and it's rejected. For 30 straight years, Red comes in. They ask him, do you feel you've been rehabilitated? And every time he says, oh yes, I, I've been rehabilitated. Uh, I can honestly say I'm not a danger to society anymore. Oh yes, God's honest truth. I've been rehabilitated. And every time rejected. But now near the end of the movie, he's an older man, 40 years in prison, 
He knows there's no chance of parole, at least in his mind. And he's tired of playing this game. So he comes in and he sits down. The parole board asks him again, do you feel you've been rehabilitated? Red says, rehabilitated, hmm, let me see. I'm not even sure I, I know what that word means. The parole official begins to explain it to him when Red interrupts and says, I know what you think it means, Sonny. But to me, it's just a made up word so young men like you can wear a suit and have a job. Tell me, son, what do you really wanna know? Am I sorry for what I did those many years ago? And the parole officer says, well, are you? And this is what Red says. He says, there's not a day goes by that I don't feel regret. Not because I'm in here and you think I should. I look back on the way I was then, a young stupid kid who committed that terrible crime. I wanna talk to him. I wanna go back and talk some sense into him. I wanna tell him the way things are, but I can't. That kid is long gone. This old man is all that's left and I gotta live with that. So you go on, Sonny, and stamp your form and stop wasting my time. In that little illustration is a compounded truth. The Bible is trying to tell you that you are seated at the right hand with the Father, that your life is hidden in Christ now. That's not something that's future, it's now. So knowing that, if you could come down, if you could go back and talk to yourself about the way you're living your life now, knowing that one day you are in eternity forever with God in Christ, and knowing that you have all the privileges associated with the deeds that have been done in Christ, salvation, sanctification, the way God looks at you, acceptance, significance, what would you say to yourself? Do you not think that if you could come back into the present and speak to yourself, you would say something like, dude, chill out. These are small potatoes. Your struggle is a little blimp on the screen. You're gonna barely remember any of this in eternity. The weight of glory is so overwhelming that it's gonna smash any memory of difficult days. Don't you think you would say to yourself, dude, when you get up here, you're gonna see how God was working through all of these things, how he was bringing everything together for good. You'll actually begin to agree with God. You'll be able to see how it's all connected and even necessary. And you'll praise God in the storm. You will thank him for, you will thank him in, you will thank him through the storms. You may even probably say something like, dude, I know it's hard now and I know these things seem irrecoverable, but that's the lie of the evil one. Don't you think you would come and you would speak to yourself now here and say, live in freedom and vitality of who you really are and where you actually dwell that your life is hidden with Christ. You're on a one-way trip to heaven. These are potholes along the way. They're so insignificant compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. Imagine that your favorite team is in the Super Bowl and somehow you were able to get in a time machine and then come back knowing your team wins. Would, would your viewing experience with all of your friends not be totally different because you've been beyond? So a fumble would just be a fumble, a drop ball, a drop ball, a missed tackle, just a missed tackle, an interception, just an interception, even a penalizing mistake, just a penalizing mistake because you'd take it all in stride because you know these are small compared to the fact that you're gonna win at the end. That's what Paul is saying by realizing that you're already seated with Christ. You're already there, that your life is already hidden in him. 
that your resurrection is guaranteed because it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ through his cross. Your life is guaranteed. You take it all in stride because nothing can compare to the weight of glory that will be revealed in you. Now, I hesitated when I was putting this sermon together to use this final illustration because I know it's hard, but I think it kind of solidifies our thought in how we can overcome, how we can be courageous. We've been to the other world. We've been there because Christ is there and our life is hidden in him. He lives in us. There is something we can access that would give us that security and significance and that knowledge and hope to know that we will be with him. There was a young girl a few years ago, but her name was Adriana, and I've mentioned her a few times in my sermons. And her mother was losing her daughter. And it's very difficult for a parent to lose a child. And Adriana was a beautiful girl with incredible faith. And so I was trying to find a way to comfort Scarlett, Adriana's mother, in the midst of a mother watching her daughter slowly pass away. And I realized Scarlett was a deep thinker. She could grapple with very difficult concepts. So one day I decided I would take the plunge and I said, Scarlett, I want you to think about something. I know that you're terrified of losing your daughter because you, you're terrified of your daughter being without you and you being without her. But can I give you some good news? According to the Bible, she will not be without you and you will not be without her. Because in a real way, you're already with her and she's already with you. Because eternity is not a measure of time as much as it is the absence of time. For those of you who have a headache, just follow me here for a moment. Revelation 21 says, the new kingdom of heaven, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no more night there. Now you notice the things that are absent in the kingdom that is to come. No sun, no moon, no night. Why? Because there's no time. What does it exactly does that mean? It means that I lost my mother and my father and my best friends not too many years ago. And they are already with Christ, but I'm with Christ. My life is hidden in him now. You may miss the one that you love, but they're not missing you because they're with you now. You're waiting to step out of time and space because you are limited by it in your humanity. But when you are with God, this human tent no longer restricts you. C.S. Lewis put it like this, and I think it will help us. He said, I certainly believe that to be God is to enjoy an infinite present where nothing has passed away and there's nothing still to come. Does it follow then that we can say the same thing of the saints? Do you see the message? The message is that we are trapped now, but those we've loved and lost are with God. Our lives are hidden in Christ with God as well in a, in a real measure of reality we are already there with them and with God. Therefore, the Bible says, set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Stop putting your heart and mind on earthly things. You're already setting your heart and mind on something. Just transfer it from here to there. 
You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your salvation is secure. Your eternity is secure. All of it. Let that be phreneo. Let that be your inner disposition. You should live life as a theme song. Can't touch this. I mean, it's the reality. Nothing here can touch that. And the beauty of this, before I finish, is that if you do that, your good times will become even better because you will know they are a prelude to ultimate ecstasy. You won't try to bleed from something here on this earth, even though it may be a fantastic experience, you won't try to milk from it something that was never meant to give, and that is the feeling of eternity. You'll enjoy it more because you'll know how precious it is, but it's just a prelude to the ultimate fulfillment. I think of my bike ride that I did last week with Steve Mohargan, and Dale Borgen. They took me 30 miles to Newport Beach on a bike, and then we turned around and came back. 60 miles. You know, it's funny. It just about killed me, but at the same time, it was quite enjoyable, so much so that I called Steve a few days later, and we did another one, half the distance, but I enjoy the bike ride. It, in, it reminds me of how much I enjoy a round of golf with my buddy Rick Reed. It, in, it reminds me of how much I enjoy walking the trails in Mammoth with my lovely wife. But these are made that much more enjoyable because I'm not trying to get from them ultimate things. I'm trying to treat them as they are. Pleasurable experiences of satisfaction in the here and now, but those are just a glimpse to what will one day be. Do you see the message here? You don't need anything other than Jesus. Because when you're feeling down and depressed because you violated something that even you hold to be true or dear, your salvation is secure. Your grace and peace is secure because it's in Jesus. And because it's in Jesus, you can truly live life. That's why when somebody says, I just can't believe this gospel because it's too good to be true. Here's my final thought on that. You ever looked at the Himalayas? I mean, even photos. I've had the pleasure of being there, not close up, but seeing them in person. The mountain range, this beautiful mountain range, they rise up out of the earth with great magnitude. They actually include over 50 different mountains exceeding 20,000, 23,000 feet in elevation. If I remember right, there are 10 peaks that are at least 26,000 feet high. And you know, they're inhabited by 5.7 million people spread across five countries, Bhutan, China, India, Nepal, and Pakistan. I mean, these mountains, they are incredible. They are amazing. Now, transfer that thought over to the Grand Canyon. A lot of us, more of us at least, would have had that experience. 277 miles long, 18 miles wide, with a depth of over 6,000 feet. And if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, the view changes from place to place. And the canyon was formed by the Colorado River and attracts people from all over the world. Now, I want you to think of the beauty of the Himalayas, the beauty of the Grand Canyon. Here's the point. When you look at the Himalayas, you just know that no human being <laughs> erased those mountains. And then you look at the Grand Canyon and you know that no human being dug out this incredible canyon. And what I'm asking you to do now is look at the gospel and know no human being could ever think this up. This is not you. This is of God. And it is truly glorious. 
Father, I thank you and praise you for all your goodness and mercy. I would pray today that those who are down and depressed and have lost a sense of acceptance or significance, that they would realize Jesus is sufficient because he gives them grace and peace. The grace and peace doesn't come from us. Something that we do, when we have peace because we think we've lived a good life, it's only a matter of time before that peace will dissipate. But when it's placed and rooted in the work of Jesus on the cross, then our life can be hidden with him. And we know we are fully loved and accepted because of Christ. And then Father, help us to know that we can live above our circumstances because our life is hidden with God in Christ. And in a real sense, we have already been raised. We've already been given a newness of life. We already have the glory and the power and the wonder of what it means for Jesus to live in us, where it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. So for those who are looking for power and truth to sustain us, I pray that it would be Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That wraps up our look at Paul's writing in Colossians chapters 2 and 3. And I hope it's encouraged you to strive for higher thoughts. Next time, we'll have a new message from Pastor Jeff. You say, Pastor Jeff, why did you take me through all of that? Because that is the best way I can explain to you what James 1.12 means. Blessed, happy is the one who perseveres who endures under trial. The Greek word is thalipsis, under pressure to conform to the world. Happy is he who does not conform to the world. And having stood the test, you've been tested now. What kingdom do you really have allegiance to? After you pass the test, that person will receive the crown of life, the Stephanos crown, the crown of victory that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.